What does it take to get beyond the damage of words? I'm Katrina Collier. Join me each week as I explore what it takes to step into a happier future. My guests are sharing their stories of when they realized that they needed help and what it took to take that first step so that you leave inspired and maybe even start on your own path to self-love, care, compassion, and of course, happiness. So without further ado, let's hear their stories. Mark Gilroy, welcome to Beyond the Damage of Words podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm really well. I was just saying the sun is shining here where I am in Yorkshire in the UK. And um, Mm. I think everyone, that seems to put people a bit of a spring in everyone's step. Um, I've said said hello to a lot of strangers today, which is really nice. I think it'll be funny because this podcast will probably come out in a while and here's us in our sort of summery attire enjoying the sunshine (laughs) and they'll be like, "Mm, it's the middle of winter, I'm confused. (laughs) And and at the same time, I'm like, bring bring on autumn. There was a day this week when I stepped out of the door and it was like, oh, it's autumn, it's coming. It's my favourite time of year. So I'm I'm all up for that. Bring it on. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we're not here to talk about that, sadly, but that does sound like a fascinating topic in itself because everyone is so opinionated about the weather here in the UK. But we're obviously here to talk about your healing journey and what you've been up to. So as I ask all my guests, what was the thing? What motivated you to start? What made you go on a healing journey? Um, In my case, it was a bit of an unusual experience of grief that I, I hadn't been expecting um but it was it, it, it was um probably an experience that a lot of your listeners sadly will have either known someone else experience or maybe experienced themselves mm-hmm. um and it was miscarriage that took Not place some yes yeah, some yeah i think so too i think and i think the current statistics are like one in three, which is crazy, which is absolutely crazy that wow. it isn't talked about enough. High. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if that goes. No, don't say that, Katrina. I was, I was going to go back to the. That's because the things that are focused on tend to be male things because medical profession has always been male, hasn't it? Up until this point, like things like the menopause as well, isn't it? We let's not talk oh, yeah. about it. So, wow. So tell me yeah. more. What happened? Well, obviously, uh, miscarriage. The miscarriage <laughs> happened. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and hey, before, before I, I get into that. I didn't mean to that, laugh, but it was my stupidity at saying so, that. Well, you know, it did. It, it happened. It happened. <laughs> Why did I just say that? Yeah. And as and, I don't edit this podcast, that's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I did it, you know, I... Before we get into any of this, I think I wanted to make it super, yeah. super clear, particularly given the point you just mentioned about male doctors and, and the patriarchy in general. Mm. Um, I, I didn't want this to come across as me turning up and saying, "Oh, hey, this is a really male thing, and we should talk about this because it is a male thing, by the way, and it's a real thing that is a thing, real thing that male mm. actual males actually experience." And what a terrible, what a terrible, um, dreadful uh, thing to experience from a male perspective. I, I, I don't. <laughs> I wanted to be really clear that that is not the reason I, I thought this would be something that we could talk about, but more, more over that. You wouldn't be here was, if I thought that's what you were going to talk I'm about. Sure. <laughs> Beca- <laughs> I because know you well enough to have not done that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I although I have um, 
sadly had a lot of um, female friends who have gone through this as well. Obviously, obviously, you know, my my partner, my wife did. I I cannot possibly begin to comprehend the level of the kind of physical and mental and psychological and emotional trauma that happens from a woman's perspective. And I'm, I don't even want to begin to um, guess what, what that must be like or have been like um, only that if it has happened to you or, you know, someone that has, that's happened to, I'm really, really sorry. Mm. Um, so, uh yeah so what happened was the question so yeah we're probably going to go back about six seven years uh we've been trying we've been trying for yeah. a little while to start a family it was something we, we both really mm. really wanted and and actually it just hadn't happened we've been trying for a while um yeah and and i think both growing up uh with uh quite a we both went to quite a um a strict catholic school so of course, the teaching um, there is. So you should actually don't. have nine to twelve children. It, exactly, absolutely. The minute you start getting yeah, into any it's of indoctrinated. that, indoctrinated. It's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or in our case, don't do it. Don't do it because there'll be guilt. Um, oh, the, I see. So it's either extreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. Um, so of course, our model for all of that was oh, okay. When we when we start trying, it'll be something that comes really easily, and it'll be a really smooth journey of course uh, and it wasn't it wasn't so it, but by the time we got to the yeah. point where actually there was a positive pregnancy test and there was all of that you know amazing kind of hope and planning and imagining the future um uh, neither one of us had even considered that this this might happen or this could happen um although you know it had happened to people that have been close to us um over over the over the past years and um yeah i, I I think there was a when when it became clear that things weren't quite right. Uh, I wasn't actually there. I, I was I was I was working away, and I, I got I got a phone call to say this. And I think I think there's a bit of a problem here. You need to get back back home as soon as you can, which I did. And uh, we ended up I think in hospital the following day. Um, and I'll come back to that in a second about, about, about what actually happened in the hospital. Yeah. But it was it was um, made very clear that actually there there was there was a problem, and um, it was what is known as a missed miscarriage. So it's when the the body is okay. actually behaving as if What's it's pregnant. Missed? Yeah, what? it's it's oh. it's kind of well. My understanding, anyway, of of of, of having looked into it, is that the the body the pregnancy actually fails really early, but the body continues behaving as if it's pregnant. Um, so oh. all the, all of the usual stuff oh, that was, sounds was cruel. happening. So yeah, there was just, there was That's just cruel. There, there was, um, Gosh. yeah, there's, there's a lot of physical stuff to kind of contend with there from my partner's side, but also there, there was, there was a lot of, of, of the, the kind of the mental and emotional stuff to process. Um, yeah. And, Yeah, including anger. So I, I know this is not unusual, mm -hmm. actually, and I'm, I'm sure that many um, couples will have had this experience uh, where the, the room that we were placed in when we were in hospital was um, sort of very kind of early stage pregnancy unit where people go for scans if there's like maybe something wrong or maybe they just want to get a scan just to check things out. Gotcha. Maybe they, maybe they had previous complications. But as a result, after we'd had this 
dreadful, dreadful news and we were waiting to have it confirmed by a doctor, we were placed in a waiting room with maybe about 20 or so people in there. And that room was full of people who had just come out of a very different experience of having a scan, of like an early scan, and they were clutching pictures of baby um, baby, um, uh, scans and you know, taking pictures of each other and maybe calling people and, and un- unable mm. to contain their joy. And I was absolutely furious, furious with them, with the whole situation. Obviously, I couldn't blame them. Uh, but I think starting, you know, that it was already an experience of loss. And it's natural to feel anger when you lose something. But that just compounded so much. And, and I think it could have been so easily avoided. It's that- Exactly. It's that not thinking through. So someone just needed a separate room for those who are grieving from those who are rejoicing, literally a separate room. And just nobody had thought that through. Yeah. And I get get it. Like there are limited resources. It would be so hard. It must have been so hard not to lash out as well. Oh, yeah. Because you're just, you're in shock, you're angry, you're upset. And there's people celebrating in front of you. It's that's cruel. Yeah, Oof. and of course, yeah. It's it, it, that's that's a really good word for it. It felt just cruel to to kind of add add the insult to the injury there of of having all these people celebrating the thing that you desperately desperately wanted and have just been told you'd lost. Uh, unimaginable cruelty. Um, mm. So yeah, and, and actually, you know, the, the nurses were were okay. Um, and, and yet, you know, there, there didn't seem to be any acknowledgement of that has happened. And I know that's not, that's not a thing that's unique to, um, where we live. I know I've since spoken to quite a few people who've been through exactly the same thing in the hospitals in their part mm. of the country. And I think that that is something that desperately, desperately needs to change because it it's, be uh, it, it's just needless. But yeah, that that was a that was yeah. a process of grief that started with extreme anger, extreme anger, and and yeah. nowhere really to put that anger because you, you know, it wouldn't have been, well, I suppose it would have been appropriate, but I didn't feel it was appropriate to go over and just say, guys, can you just tone this down a little bit because we're going through our own thing. Um, mm. So, and you're such a kind-hearted soul, you wouldn't have wanted to do that, even with that anger. I know that mm. you would have been still thinking, let them have their joy. So what let happened next? Joy. What was... I, um, yeah, I think so. I mean, knowing you as I do, I, I don't think that you would have... <laughs> I know I that's wouldn't. a strange thing to say. I wouldn't. You would just I, wouldn't I, have I, burst their bubble, no matter how angry you were or how... I think you might have gone outside and punched something instead, a something, not a someone to yeah. get it out of your body but there's no way you'd have you just wouldn't it's just not in your nature yeah i think it's but actually um, just thinking uh, putting people in that situation who perhaps are a lot more broken than they probably would lash out at somebody in that joyous situation and burst that bubble yeah. for them so i'm really surprised that, that hasn't happened separate rooms yeah so, so separate yeah. rooms it doesn't need to be anything fancy um, but I think separate rooms is, is a really good idea because people are processing so much stuff and it's so kind of like the whole room was charged with emotion because we clearly weren't the only couple in there who had bad news that day. 
It wasn't just us. Yeah. And you, you could, as you were looking around this room, you could, you could just see it on people's faces. It wasn't, they didn't need to say anything. It was, it was very, very clear like that. very traumatizing. It absolutely was. Again, totally needlessly, um, mm. kind of uh, twist, twisting the knife a little. Yeah. So do you, I, I'm thinking back to the beginning of this conversation. Did you mm. feel almost as the spouse, that, I'm sort of sensing there was a bit, oh, I hope this isn't too deep, that, there were, that you didn't have a right to feel the loss or it's that nobody talks about the loss from the partner's point of view? Hopefully that made more sense than I thought. That did make sense. Is, is there a bit of that going on as well? Like you're incredibly yeah. angry and sad and then, oh, but maybe I shouldn't feel that because it's my wife going through it and sh it's her body. And Yeah. The, the, do you know, there was. I hadn't put it in that way before, but I think that's a really, that's a really good way of framing it. I think in my head I was a bit confused around that stage because, I, I mean – I was at a point in my life where I'd I'd experienced grief before. I you know I'd lost relatives and grandparents and, and and I understood what that kind of loss looked like and felt like and I'd seen it from other people as well. Um yeah. you know, including I you know, I I had a friend of mine who who um who died really, really quite young. So it wasn't just, you know, people who you expect to die. You know, I, I had experienced grief. But this was a really unusual kind of grief and I wasn't entirely sure how to respond to it because just think about how you said that, you know, do I have a right to this? Um, mm. It was it was this sense of how do I how do I process loss for someone, something I've never met before that that you've just been told is wasn't ever real in the first place. Mm. Like there isn't really a rule book for that. There isn't, there isn't, there isn't a model for, no. for how, how on earth you, you kind of yeah. reconcile these really deep feelings of grief and loss and sadness with the fact that it's, it's for someone that, that you haven't got a relationship with. Matt. Yeah. I guess that you're, you're grieving the loss of what would have been or what could have been your loss of, yeah. you're grieving the loss of the potential of this child that you, it, it's really, I'm going to make a shocking comparison because it's the only one I can think of. I suffer from love addiction because of my childhood trauma and you re-traumatize yourself with it because what happens is if you're not aware, you meet someone and you immediately dream up an entire future with that person rather than being very day-to-day -day and letting the relationship pan out so that then when it, it bursts, because it does, then you grieve the loss of this future that was undefined and then you go into the pattern again. That's a dreadful mm. comparison to make to what you're talking no, about, but that's just I, what kept going through my mind was that's what I used to do in relationships. And you like re-traumatize yourself. That is exactly what it was. And that's how I've kind of processed it subsequently in my kind of healing of, of mm. and, and, and gaining that emotional distance from what happened is actually the grief wasn't for necessarily for, someone something I'd never I never meet I never met and I would never would meet but actually it was for an imagined future um, yeah and what I think a it lot of people happen. that never have yeah it, it didn't happen um and and it's still it's still there you know we still we still think about it at that time of year when when um 
when my wife would have had that baby and, and when we did get that news, it's, it's still there. But I guess what a lot of people who haven't been through this maybe wouldn't necessarily know is that there's also another loss that takes place, which is a, a real profound loss of hope for all future attempts. So whilst yes. those first first kind of few weeks after seeing that kind of uh, you know the, the the blue lines on the pregnancy test were full of you know um, optimism and joy and um, mm. kind of celebration, we never had that again ever. Um, and because it, you were because you have had children since, haven't you? I have, so thankfully, I yeah. Assume- we're, yeah, we're super lucky. We've got, we've, got two, we've got two when, kids. But each time I assume that you saw the lines and then we're like praying instead of just absolutely getting super, oh gosh, wow. Wow, they don't talk about that either, do they? Yeah, it is. It, that, you're exactly right. So it was, you, you see the lines and then you go, oh my gosh, right. I'm not going to get excited about this okay. because I know, okay. what, I know what can okay. happen. I'm not going to start imagining too many futures because I can know they can be taken away like that. And I, and therefore, we're not going to tell anybody because I can't go through that process of having to call people and tell them all over again and having that, having that awful news to share that no one knows what to do with. Um, so that, that is, there's probably a deeper loss there, I think, in terms of losing yeah. hope is one of the worst things you can lose, I think. Yeah. Um, and and, and so understanding you- how... How difficult it is to build that hope back from from that kind of you know crushing loss. So, did you end up going and speaking to somebody or getting like how did you deal with that? Yeah, like the, I mean the, the grieving hope. We kind of went into um, wow. I kind of I kind of refer to it as like turtle mode <laughs> um, for a little while. So I took some t- I, I took some time from work. I, I remember I remember speaking to my colleagues at the time, and they were just absolutely amazing um with 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 that news and they were really generous and and compassionate and, and just said listen go take all the time you need there, there was there was never any pressure to to come to come back soon or, or anything like that and, and I'll always be really thankful f- to them for the way they handled that um given they could never have known what I had to tell them I just came in one day and said listen I need to tell I've got some news I need to tell you you need to know about this uh, thinking I'll carry on working I'll try and work through this when actually I was all over the place I was in bits uh, you know I, I and and then I can my partner and I we just sort of we kind of went into hibernation for a while we did we did lots of little things like built furniture together and and kind of did little projects around the house that was almost like nesting in a way I suppose but I, it was it was the opposite of nesting because we had nothing to nest for it was it was it was kind mm-hmm. of just being coming back together as a team, I suppose that's, that was really what that bit of healing was about. But there was a day I remember, yeah. I remember this really vividly. I was stood doing some washing up at the sink and looking out into the garden. And I just, I burst into tears and, and the tears would not stop. And I was I sort of thought to myself, mm, okay, there's, there's some work that needs to be done here. Yeah. Otherwise this is going to keep happening. I didn't know where, I didn't really know where they were coming from or why they were there. And, and other than, they needed to come out. So yeah, that was, there was a, I, I did speak to people. I spoke to my friends, you know, I, I I had, I had people who'd been through this who I spoke to about it, but 
um, actually, not many people know what to say in that really odd experience of loss of, of, and actually sometimes people without wanting um, to can say some really hurtful stuff. Um, things like, yes. Um, oh, you know, you're young. You try again. Be all right. Mm. Or quoting the, quoting the statistic that, 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 yeah, step out of it. Um, there's a statistic of, you know, you're one in three. Oh, you know, you're part of the one in three. Okay, but that's that's not that's not really of any help Thanks. at all. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so common. What I had that a lot. It's so, so common. Extraordinary. It is. It is extraordinary. Yeah. And, and so I, I needed some help dealing with it's so common how to that deal we don't with that. Talk about the. Yeah, it's so common. We don't talk about it. It's so common. We don't talk <laughs> about mad. it. Isn't that weird? We don't. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's that? We about? don't talk about menopause. Like. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's mad. But I, do you know what that is? That is that societal and particularly in Britain and Australia is the same, you know, stiff upper lip, suppress emotions, internalise, mm. just get on with it, you know. And unfortunately, yeah. we're seeing the fallout of that now. <laughs> it's just it doesn't Ooh, work to yeah. do that. It doesn't work at so, all. Um, tell mm. us about the healing part. The So you've realised and you talked to friends. Did you? I mean, did you see a professional as such? Yeah. Did you see a counsellor, a therapist, or a yeah, therapist? I did see a counsellor. So I, okay. I had some counselling available as part of the healthcare scheme that I was on. So I thought, you know, I I had a counselling before in the past, and I did I had found it helpful. Um, and I think more than anything, you probably know this because we've we've had all kinds of conversations over the years. But I do I do a lot of my best thinking when I'm talking with someone. Um, so I thought this yeah. might, you know, quite naively, this might be one way to do it, particularly someone who who wasn't had no skin in the game so to speak just mm. yeah who uh, wasn't a friend or a, or a family member or, or or my wife or um or anyone else or a colleague actually as much as I appreciated those conversations in helping process mm. all of that helping having someone else to talk to and make sense of it all with was 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 super helpful um and I think you know, we were talking before we started the record about kind of counselling, and, and I think mm. the person that I spoke to in the end, I wouldn't say was um, in the strictest sense doing counselling with me. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't possibly name them, but I was really grateful to them for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because in in that kind of in in the learning and development profession, there's there's a really like clear line drawn between stuff like coaching and and therapy, mm. whatever form of yeah. therapy it might take, and counselling, and, and those sort of those different practices. Often They're there's like a Venn diagram like somewhere, but they are in distinct boxes. Yeah. And a, and, yeah. a re, and, a, and the way it was always explained to me was, and this is when I was doing my coach training, was that counselling is about revisiting the past to say, "Ooh, mm-hmm. what was that about? What was that about? Should we just poke and prod there a little bit and see what's going on mm. there? Can we look at that with your eyes?" that you've grown now and your mind that you've grown now and see if there's anything else that's going on that is that is explaining or adding color to your current real life experience of the world and i can absolutely right. see a a need for that and whereas coaching on the other hand is saying no don't forget about all that the past was the past you can't change mm-hmm. it it happened yeah focus on the future you can control that you have total agency over that yeah. and 
therefore you should roll your sleeves and start building a future. How can, how can I help yeah. you do that? I, yeah. I quite like that distinction, but I do think there is a, there is a kind of central space, a great gray space where gray. there is value in both. Yeah. I mean, what Michelle a... Zully that helped me with my childhood trauma was absolutely both. I mean, we always went forward, but we totally went back. More therapy yeah. than, um, not that she'd probably call it that, but, you know, we were doing, you know, inner child work. We were doing <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Um, you have to buy my memoir and read it. Um, but it, it's like it was, it, it, because I think we need the, we need the two. We need to know we're going forward, but we do need to deal with it. I don't think you can just fully leave it. Yeah, I so agree. I think it works. I agree because so much of it is rooted, like so much of like your model of of who you are in the world and why things happen to you mm. is mm. is built on your childhood experiences. So there is there's there's yeah. definitely value in going back and interrogating them. I think sometimes where where that can backfire, um, I haven't had this experience myself, but I know some of the people who have had this experience with counselling, particularly, is where. Um, a counsellor may start poking and peeling back layers of of some kind of trauma that actually um, had had been covered up in a way that does serve the person. So it's like it's Ooh. like watching a horror film, like watching a horror film that you hadn't intended to watch and actually hasn't any value for you in the here and now. Your mind's protected you for a, wow. from it for a, for a particular reason that doesn't need processing in the here and now. I'm trying to think of an example of that, which, which would involve of involve kind of um, breaking some. So confidence. the skills that they gained going through that trauma were actually serving them. I think most of us go through a trauma and that doesn't serve us. Absolutely. So we, but that's interesting. What an interesting perspective. I'm going to have to find somebody to talk about that, aren't I? How interesting. So I'm not, I'm not going to use but this I, I guess my example, only but can concern you, can you see would what be, I mean by that? Yeah. I think my only fear would be I hope that doesn't put people off. Because if you feel unhappy and you, you don't have self-worth, then you do need to go back. But actually, if you're happy and you're fine and it's not, yeah, interesting. So what what happened? Tell, what happened next with your 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 stepping through that? Um, well, part of that was was helping reframe why I was why I was experiencing loss because I I was really struggling with this piece of why am I feeling so rough about this whole situation because it wasn't my physical experience. Oh, did you feel like start. did you feel like you didn't deserve to feel that? I've yeah, just got that absolutely. In a wave. Yeah, it was. I, oh. Yeah, why, 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 why should I be feeling this? What, what right have I got to feel this? What, why is it so profound? Oh. Why is it such a deep loss? And and they helped me reframe that as well. It's not a loss of of per se of. It's not a literal loss in the way that you think it is, but actually, it's a loss of mm. you know the future self and and the hope and yeah. the imagined future and all the things we've just been talking about. It was, mm. it was that yeah. process of talking it through that really helped crystallize why and then helped me process that in a, in a, in a way that was 
Yeah, Healthy. really, really helpful. Okay. Another thing that really, uh, really kind of um, stayed with me from that process was a question, and this is and this is the kind of question where I think this person wasn't doing proper counselling with me, but they they were actually. Uh, and it's a question I've I've ended up using in my coaching all the time. Like I loved it. It was such a beautiful question, uh. and I, and it conveys so much. And it was about the anger. It was, it was processing the anger. And the question they asked me was, uh, Mark, what are you making this mean? It took, me off, it took me off. It took me, it kind of took me off, off guard a little bit. What are you making this mean? And the thing about it is that they weren't, it wasn't a kind of victim blaming thing of saying, yeah, you're making <laughs> this mean something really that it isn't. really tough question. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's a, it's a really yeah. kind of chunky question. <sighs> I hope no, nobody's allowed to ever use that towards me. <laughs> That's tough. Oh, my God. Mm. Yeah. Um, wow. That's amazing. And, but you well, obviously okay, were able to, to think it through. And Well, I, I can give you an example of how, how it made me make sense of my anger. So um, yeah. at one point, at one point... Um, so this is actually beyond that the miscarriage. Actually, my partner mm. had had become pregnant, and uh, we were at a, we were at an event, and and somebody of a certain age, I wasn't around when this happened. I was told about it afterwards. Somebody of a certain age made a comment along the lines of, "Oh, are you going to keep this one then?" As in meaning, meaning the, oh. meaning the um, pregnancy, and it was yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was. I mean, obviously, she she was devastated filters, and people, filters for absolutely oh, yeah, shit. just completely like a filter. And when I heard about it, I was absolutely furious. I, I, you know, I was so furious, and and in a way, I'm glad I wasn't there because I, I probably would have done something I had regretted. But oh no, that yeah, was probably, me. I'd have done that. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> Wow. I mean, there, there would have been some severe consequences for saying something like that, something so hurtful. And so actually processing that in a counselling setting, uh, that was a question that came up again. What are you making this mean? And of course, I made it mean what what I heard, which which was something incredibly hurtful, distasteful, um, and just ugly. Mm. Um. I'd taken all kinds of meaning from it that it was was personally directed at me and us as a unit. Whereas, yeah. actually, knowing that person that, who said it, actually, what they what they'd what they'd probably meant and couldn't convey in words was completely different. That it it was concern and it was acknowledgement of the loss, uh, and. I, and actually being able to just reframe there it. There are okay. 3,000 other ways they could have said that, though. <laughs> there are. There are. There are. Um, but it, it, is, it is a I nice mean, thing. I mean, I think this is, this is why I'm calling it the damage of words. So this is beyond, because yeah. it's beyond those kind of words, isn't it? But the book, because it is the words that they said that, you can remember them verbatim. I'm sure your wife can. Because though, mm. by choosing to say those words, I mean, she possibly didn't think it through, but therefore worse. Oh, it's like barbs, isn't it? They get it. They get stuck in you. Yeah, it is. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a really good analogy. It's like barbs. They they do get stuck in you, and and it's yeah. Um, 
but it is something where where you can uh, i think that whole question of what are you making this mean what am i making this mean yeah is something that you can take and do something with because mm. rather than just letting an experience or an emotion or a set of words wash over you actually you can take agency mm. and say I'm going to make a choice about what meaning I infer from what this person's just said to me. And yeah, yeah, Yeah. it might be a really negative one and they may be genuinely have negative intent, but let's, Mm. let's part of that for just now. What else could they have meant? What, what extra meaning have I added on top of what they actually said to me? Um, and and I've used that thinking in in all places. Taking a breath, isn't it? That, Taking a breath, realizing you're triggering, or like, <clears throat> believe me, I still trigger, um, and and mm. just having that awareness of like not to react, isn't it? And to actually think that through—that's amazing. Is that yeah. the sort of thing you would say to a listener if they were sort of thinking about healing or they're on the healing journey? It's, to it's a good. Remember that? It's a good kind of personal mantra, and uh, with the caveat of. It's not victim blaming. If you're a victim of trauma, you're a victim of trauma, and 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 that's that's valid, yeah. and your your experience is is valid, whatever that looks like. Um, yeah. Simply that that a question like that is particularly if, if all you do is ask it to yourself rather than ask it to somebody else, mm. can help put some emotional distance between whatever you felt versus whatever was done or said. Yeah. And, yeah. and that is usually. I know what you mean by thing. that. I've written about. I've been writing about the gifts. So there are gifts mm. from my trauma, and it's like yeah. it's quite hard. You, you usually in our darkest moment, there is there is a gift there, whether we like to think that or not. And it is it's tough because it's like I'm being very clear. I'm not blaming you as a victim or as someone who's been through trauma, but it's like what? How how did you gain? How did you grow? How did you? There's a, and it's it's exactly what you're saying. It's like that fine line with definitely not but i'm giving like it's a tool to help you get through that trauma and that upset and loss and all of those things oh my goodness that's that's definitely what i'd <sighs> say somebody also thinks something else i think we really stayed with me and it was a friend who shared this with me who, who said um mm. grief is a bit like someone coming into your house and throwing like a massive bucket of glitter everywhere I thought, wow, that's, that's a bit of a weird metaphor, but let's oh, go for it. Oh, my God, just, um, it is. Oh. You see it, right? It's everywhere. Oh, it gets yeah. everywhere. And and you and you everywhere. might do a bit of a, a little work of tidying it all up and sweeping it up and you throw it away. And, and then there's but then, some more. And then there's some more. And then, you know, and there might be a later. day when, when the sun's shining and it just catches it in the light and you go, oh, God, that's that's still there and, and over time you realize five years ago yeah. it's from five years ago six years ago 10 years ago 20 years ago it's always you're always yeah. going to be finding it so you kind of mm. you kind of learn to just welcome it into your room or your house whatever however you want to mm. kind of phrase it and not really make friends with it but it's there is a there is a sense of allowing it to be there and that being okay yeah. Yeah. Ah, your house or your room will never be the same again. There they will still there will still be glitter in there. Yeah. And it'll be part of your house forever. Yeah. And that can be okay. But it's almost it's almost 
saying it like a nice way to remember over time. Sorry, Banjo's just going off in case anyone can hear him crying in the background. <laughs> He's so rude. He's been so good now just right near the end. That's the I want to walk like 45 minutes earlier than I should. Oh. Um, I feel like that is the perfect place to not – Banjo, what you just said is the perfect place to round this out. If people want to speak to you about this or know more, I mean, I feel like this is a future path for you to do something with, maybe write a book, podcast, don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But how can they find you? Other than obviously you're quite famous on YouTube. I'm quite jealous. Heavy emphasis on the quite. Um, <laughs> so you, you, if if you just uh, if you meant if you look for my name anywhere on all the socials, you, you'll just find me in my you. big round yep. bold head in most places. At that um, Mark Gilroy. <laughs> that Mark Gilroy is, mo- is is yeah pretty much all the the, the suffix you need, and, and you and you'll find me somehow that way. But yeah. I, genuinely, if anyone does ever want to talk about this 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 particular experience mm. or anything at all, please drop me a line. Always happy to help. Amazing. Oh, thanks, Mark. Oh, totally mind-blowing. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Damage of Words. How brave, how vulnerable. All to inspire listeners like you to take a step or inspire others to take a step. Imagine what healing we could create if we normalise this conversation. So please pass this on and, of course, subscribe so we can do just that. Until next time. Thank you.